1: Hey friends, we're glad you're with us. Welcome to another episode of Lit Pulpit. We are jumping into Walker Percy's The Movie Goer. This is our first full-fledged conversation on the novel. We're approaching it thematically over a few uh, different episodes. And today we are gonna be talking about the idea of the search in Walker Percy's The Movie Goer. If you want to start to wrap your head around this idea of the search, uh, I've got a great quote that I think points us in the right direction. The writer Julian Barnes, uh, an atheist writer, opened his novel or a recent uh, nonfiction um, work with this sentence, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. And this sort of idea of longing for something deeper, the sort of spiritual connection but not really believing in it, but at the same time longing for it, being haunted by this thing that you don't actually believe in, but maybe sort of want to, really captures a lot of the spirit of this novel, The Movie Goer, which is why, though this novel came out in 1961, it could work in so many ways uh, to our experiences today. So we're going to be talking about the search. What does that mean in this novel? And how does that give us insight into our own experience in our own condition? As always, uh, I'm joined with Pastor Austin Carty. Lit Pulpit is a, a tag team duo, uh, pastors looking at literature uh, for all those who will listen in um, and trying to see what good literature teaches us about how we are to live, move, and be uh, as image bearers of God in this world. So Austin, when you think about the moviegoer, when you think about Binks, uh, the protagonist uh, about to turn 30 in New Orleans, a stockbroker, uh, a womanizer trying to kind of find his way, longing for redemption, but not really believing in it, seeking it. Out, all of these different things uh, summed up in this idea of the search. What comes to mind when you think about banks and this longing for the search?
2: Well, first of all, I'd rather have no tag team partner for this endeavor than you. I'm excited to pick up this new book with you, my friend. And I love that you just started with that Julian Barnes quote. And listeners, I promise we didn't prep that or plan that. We actually had talked a little bit on the front end, but that didn't even come up. And I'm so glad that you mentioned that one, because I remember that in Jamie Smith's How Not to Be Secular, uh, his uh, distillation of Charles Taylor's massive tome. Uh, secular age, uh, he uses that quote as an example of the cross pressures that we feel uh, in late modernity. And this is a hearkening to an idea that Charles Taylor had about how those of us who have robust belief have uh, periods of time where we wrestle with, with doubt and how even the most strident doubters and disbelievers have moments where something happens that they think, well, but but maybe could there be something, something else, something more? And he calls that the cross pressures that are inherent for everybody living in late modernity. And and the reason I think that's such a such a great place to, to begin is because for everybody who's familiar with Charles Taylor listening in, and over the last 15, 20 years, Charles Taylor's name is one that has become more and more ascendant within Christianity in general and evangelicalism in particular. Um, if you've read Taylor or just heard about Taylor and are fascinated at all with any of Taylor's project or what you know of it, uh, this is a great fictional window into uh, what Taylor is teasing out in his wider corpus. Uh, one of the terms you'll probably hear Claude uh, and I talk about over the course of these next uh, four sessions on the movie goer is the word malaise. And Charles Taylor has a, a little book called The Malaise of Modernity. Uh, and it all talks about this aspect of uh, living in a reality in which it almost feels like there's a curtain between us and the world—a curtain for those who are even people of faith between us and God. Uh, and I think that 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 hearkening the the, the Julian Barnes quote uh, and, and uh, saying I don't believe in God but I miss Him is a great way of talking about this book because it's all about a search for finding meaning in a world in which things seem meaningless and. To kind of tie together all of this on the Julian Barnes, Charles Taylor front, one of the things that Charles Taylor points at that I think is a really helpful thing to hold on to is, as we read a book like the movie Goer and as we go through our daily lives as folks living in late modernity is that Taylor points out how uh, the conditions of belief up until late modernity were really such that meaning, if such a thing were around, was out there. It was something that was outside of us. It was external to us. And we tried to figure out what it out there all meant. But then there was a shift in in conditions of belief to where it became internal, that the agent was the one that was responsible for figuring out what meaning there might be. And that's really, really powerful and important because then suddenly it's not as if we're trying to piece together a meaning that's out there. Now it's, what can? How can I try to make meaning out of something that's quite possibly and most likely is meaningless? Now, I don't think it's meaningless. I tend to be one that, uh, and as much as a late modern person can, you know, really does, you know, still hold to uh, <laughs> the perspective that there's an out there to, to to derive meaning from. But nonetheless, these are the conditions that we live in now. We are such that we don't step out and immediately think we're beholding a mystery. We look out and think we're beholding a problem that we can solve versus a mystery to be explored. Uh, And that's underneath this novel. It's a human being wrestling with uh, the fact that he doesn't know whether God's out there, whether that was even just a figment of the human imagination, but whether so or whether not, what does it all mean? Um, And to greater or lesser degrees, that's something that all of us in late modernity are wrestling with and asking.
1: And Binx is really trying to figure out what it all what it all means, and this is what he is referring to when he talks about the search. And this this theme, the search, it, it comes up persistently throughout the novel, but it comes immediately right At early early in the novel, uh, page thirteen. There's a section I want to read, and I think this this is a great way that sort of puts us into the. Um, the sort of tone of the novel we get inside of how Binks sees. He's a deep thinker. He's a really observant person. Um, He is uh, shallow in some senses and and, and really deep in other senses. But this sort of excerpt, I think, really um, captures this idea of the search and the sort of longing that we heard in the Barnes quote and that uh, Austin, you've been speaking to drawing from from Taylor and from others. So, to set this up, um, the novel is set in New Orleans. Uh, it's set a few days before uh, Ash Wednesday. Uh, Walker Percy uh, was a devout uh, devout Catholic, so that's that's no uh, no surprise. And it's interesting this setting. Um, you know, New Orleans. You can think of a place for for Mardi, Mardi Gras, right? And you can think of sort of uh, flesh and and party and hedonism. It's also a deeply uh, religious place as well, right? And you can see those cross. Cross pressures, those tensions that are there. So this scene uh, comes when Binks is on a bus. Uh, Binks uh, sees a a woman, uh, an attractive woman, a Texan. He he, you can hear his inner monologue through through all of that, and uh, and he he's sort of uh, longing for connection uh, with with this woman. And notice the shift from uh, his sort of mental dialogue uh, around the woman into this uh, deeper longing. this is on the top of uh, page page 13. So Binks is thinking about oh uh, he wishes he could talk to the woman and, and make a connection with her and and, and have a relationship and, and, and know her and all these sort of things uh, begins this way what consideration and tenderness I could show her if it were a movie, I would have only to wait. The bus would get lost or the city would be bombed and she and I would tend the wounded. As it is, I may well stop thinking about her. Then it is that the idea of the search occurs to me. I become absorbed and for a minute or so forget about the girl. What is the nature of the search, you ask? Really, it's very simple, at least for a fellow like me. So simple that it is easily overlooked. The search is what anyone would undertake if he were not sunk in the everydayness of his own life. The morning, for example, I felt as if I had come to myself on a strange island. What does such a castaway do? Why he pokes around the neighborhood and he doesn't miss a trick. To become aware of the possibility of the search is to be on to something. To not be on to something is to be in despair. The movies are on to the search, but they screw it up. The search always ends in despair. They like to show a fellow coming to himself in a strange place, but what does he do? He takes up with the local librarian, sets about proving to the local children what a nice fellow he is, and settles down with a vengeance. In two weeks' time, he's so sunk in everydayness that he might just as well be dead. So I could keep going. Um, the, this theme of the search continues over the next uh, probably page and a half. But I think this gets us into who Binks is, and it gets us into this idea of the search. And, uh, you know, in this scene, Austin, I'm really curious to hear what sort of comes to mind uh, for you, what you draw from this scene, um, having having encountered the novel uh, more than once. This is my first read through. But it's striking to me that he's longing for the sort of union, the sort of connection uh, with, with, this, with this woman. Uh, And he he wishes life were like what he sees in the movie. He wishes things were simple. He wishes for this sort of mediated existence where everything would just be easy and he would have this particular connection. Um, And then he's and he realizes, well, that's not the way it is. And then he's confronted with through the gap between the way movies are and the way life really is in that gap. He thinks, oh, oh, the search. And, and now he's trying to see, okay, what makes sense of this everydayness? What makes sense of this longing that I'm projecting onto this woman? Uh, oh, oh, here I am confronted with the cross pressure uh, of this question of the search. What what stands out to you in this first key point in the novel where we're introduced to the concept of the search and Bink's sort of um, understanding of this particular uh, longing? So much does. It's a powerful passage and it
2: sets the table for the rest of the book and One of the things that I find um, ironic and also that's just a helpful window into thinking about this human dilemma is that for me, an appreciation of the everyday uh, and the capacity to see God's presence in the everyday is actually the way through and out of (laughs) the malaise of of, uh, late modernity, in, in my view. Um, but the way he's talking about the everydayness is the kind of everydayness he describes it one of the really kind of powerful uh images in the book for me is when he talks about how being in his I think it's a Dodge he's driving. Uh doesn't matter, but the brand name matters. It's but he's talking about a brand that's advertised just like other things are advertised. He's in the car. And he calls riding in the car that that he calls the, the the vehicle an incubator of the malaise. Like he's mm-hmm. he's there. He's that, that now the the world is mediated again. There's a windshield that he's having to look out at it through, and um, just the day to day transition from place to place in this little hollowed, isolated. Uh, vehicle that's cutting you off uh, from your direct connection to the world, but then it maps on to all the other things that happen just in the mundane aspects of our lives. And you know, you think about all the things that we do now is just you know people living in you know the uh, and and right in 2023 the the wake up and the uh, the, 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 daily commute and the, the, the various routines that we go through and the way that things are on autopilot and the way that we constantly try to distract ourselves by, you know, popping on social media or whatever the other things are. He, in one of these places, he refers to somebody as a movie goer, even though that person doesn't go to movies. And, uh, mm-hmm. he's talking about how, uh, that can be just a distraction from the heaviness of just, of, of being alive. um, but the everydayness to me, it doesn't have to be seen that way. That, uh, and 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 you see, I think Percy's uh, devout Catholicism coming through here and showing how, uh, how 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 Christian faith is in fact a really robust um, answer to this this human predicament. There, towards the end, when he he sees that he is going to just have to live a life that is, that he calls selfish, but I don't think selfish is the right word. That's just, that's just attending to his daily duties and realizing that he's not going to overcome this, this human aspect of himself that does think about self gain and things at sometimes. But it it ends on this moment where he sees somebody going to an Ash Wednesday service. And he wonders, is this just something that this person's doing uh, to show that uh he knows how to climb the ranks of of, of society and and, and is, is is arriving or is this some sort of uh sign of, of real true faith that God actually is here and he says maybe it's possible that he shows up for the one and that the second happens which is this saying of like we show up as human beings and we attend to the messiness and the crookedness of the human timber as Immanuel Kant would say but yet there's this capacity of God to arrive in it, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, and that to me is a, a really powerful response to uh, flipping the idea that everydayness on its head. But, but for, for, for Binks to kind of put a pin in, in this long rambling answer of mine, he, he sees the search as now he's on a horizontal search. He'd originally been on a vertical search, which is one where he was trying to explain everything. He was trying to, he was trying to figure out the theory of everything. And he was reading books like Plato and, you know, Books like, you know, he this one did not on here, but, you know, like a brief history of time, you know, things like uh, things that are trying to explain it all. And he says that he finally got to where he thought that he understood it all. But what was left over was himself. And mm-hmm. that's a very Kierkegaardian line right there. Uh, but then he said from that moment on, what did that matter if you figured out at all, but you're still left over? Like there's this mm-hmm. <laughs> this the, this this leftover that's irreducible, that is the self. Uh, and that's when he went on the horizontal search and um the horizontal search has to always feel alive he thinks it it can't just it, it has and it has to be a somebody somewhere it has to have place and name uh, one of the strong themes of this is that when he talks about most people are just content being an anyone from anywhere but Binks yeah. can't be he feels like if if he's not certified that's another great line yeah. in this that uh that if there's not something to certify here's who this person is, here's who I am, and here's where I come from, and here's my connection to the place. Uh, So I find all of that really, really powerful and, and, and themes that really mean a lot to me.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. Pittsburgh Theological Seminary students are grounded in faith and formed in community. PTS students are preparing for ministry with Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, Doctor of Ministry and Certificate Programs. Begin your master's or certificate program in person or online. Financial aid is available. Visit pts.edu admit.
1: Do you think in this section right here, where we just read from that you're speaking, uh, speaking from and speaking to, Binks seems to be putting in opposition the idea of the search and everydayness. They're 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 opposing um opposing sort of entities that are at war with each other, right? He says the search is what anyone would undertake if he were not sunk in the everydayness of his own life. So is saying he's saying, right, do you think um, the everydayness of life. He's a uh, you know, he he trades stocks, it's not super exciting, right? Um, we we haven't talked about his family dynamics, um, his cousin Kate, his aunt, all these different sort of things. He's caught up in kind of like the bureaucracy in the kind of church church politics e mm-hmm. dynamics of of, you know, mid-20th century Catholic New Orleans, um, all these different sort of things, right? Um, so everydayness is sort of this inhibitor from going into the search, right? So everyday life keeps you away from finding deep meaning. Is that fair? Do you see that as oppositional? That's, that's where he starts, right?
2: I think that's really great, Claude. And I think that's a great way to kind of tag this first episode is that to me, yes, that's exactly what it is. And as a pastor reading this book, I think one of the ways to, 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 to view this is to instead of thinking about everydayness being in opposition to the search, to think about how there is a way that everydayness is the way, really through and into the search. Uh, but it depends on what we understand everydayness to be, and uh, mm-hmm. and how attentive we are to the everyday. Um, and uh, I think that I think that that's a, a, a rich place to to maybe point forward to the next conversation, because in the next conversation, we're going to talk specifically about the way religion and God are treated in this novel. Um, mm-hmm. And as I hearkened to earlier, I think one of the things about this novel that we can see is that there's a way to think about how we can find God in the everyday. But I think you're absolutely right that in this book, it's set up as if everydayness is somehow in competition with, uh, with the search. And there is so much important about the, the family history here. He comes uh, from um, uh, kind of Southern aristocracy. Um, one of the things about this book too, that's important to say is that the reason that this book abides in the canon, I think is because it really is still pertinent to what it means to be human in late modernity. Uh, but there's a lot that's really objectionable in this book in the way that uh, just social issues and situations are described and talked about. Um, and one of the reasons that that's just so powerful is not only that it's describing, you know, reality in you know, 19, 1960, uh, but moreover, it's because of the station in life that this character uh, has, has
1: come from. Uh,
2: so there are things in reading this book that reader beware, uh, we read and rightly, you know, take great exception to.
1: Yeah, because we, we would say, right, we would, we would say within the Christian frame, uh, rightly understood that the search fills uh, the, every, the every day with meaning, right? If, uh, especially if we're thinking um, in sacramental terms, or in terms that that God is uh, at work in the world, and God works, um, and God is God is present through. Um, through how we live, move, and have our being, right? Um, but that's not what Binks is experiencing or, or the the vantage point Binks is operating from, at least at the beginning of the novel. There maybe is an argument to say he goes on a bit of a journey. He does go on a, a journey, uh, literally and metaphorically. And maybe he does get there towards the end where he starts to see, oh, okay, there is goodness in the everyday um meaning can be found in the everyday that this this is a this is a possibility they don't have to be at odds. but at the same time I think we can see that if our everyday is sort of aimless and and hopeless and we are stuck in this malaise or this obsession with uh, accumulating more, proving ourselves, demonstrating we are as a novel likes to talk about certified right all of these different things, that sort of everydayness can block us from undertaking the search. Um, it's interesting that you know there, there's there. The novel really does center, I think, on on Banks and then on Kate. But there's other characters that even if they are only appear for a moment, they are really important. You know, one is uh, his uncle Jules. Uh, this comes on uh, page thirty one. He says, uh, "Uncle Jules is the only man I know whose victory in the world is total and unqualified. He has made a great deal of money. He has." A great many friends. He was rex of Mardi Gras. He gives freely of himself and his money. He is an exemplary Catholic, but it's hard to know why he takes the trouble. So here you can see that the everyday in the search, right? Deeper spiritual, deeper true meaning versus everyday. He's got everything in the everyday in the world. You know, why is he engaged in this thing? He goes on to say, For the world that he lives in, the city of man, is so pleasant that the city of God must hold little in store for him. And then Bink says, I see his world plainly through his eyes, and I see why he loves it and would keep it as it is. A friendly, easygoing place of old world charm and new world business methods where kind white folks and carefree, he says, darkies, have the good sense to behave pleasantly toward each other. No shadow ever crosses his face except when someone raises the subject of last year's Tulane versus LSU game. So here's a description of someone that he admires, his uncle got money got reputation uh, got religious uh, uh, credentials right he's got it he's got it so made that the only thing that really bothers him is you know when when his uh when his beloved college football team doesn't do well so I think here, here's an example of somebody who's who's killing it in the everyday maybe right in the in that sort of air quote positive sense and that keeps them from the search right Moving from the city of man to the city of God, uh, journeying forward to know who God is uh, and feeling uh, and and experiencing deeper spiritual union and redemption uh, that then changes how we live in the everyday. This this Uncle Jules got it made in the everyday. So in that sense, he is he is blocked out from the search. And as Bink sees it at this at that juncture, it all makes sense. You know why? Why, why would he um, have interest in this sort of deeper or 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 religious things? Maybe not necessarily deeper things. Why would he have interest in religious things when he has uh, when he's certified in every other domain and in every other measure? So I think I think that that you know complicates or adds another layer to what we read earlier on page thirteen. You know Bink's initial sort of declaration around the search.
2: That's all really good. That's that's really good, Claude and. And I think one of the things that's so powerful in his 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 way of looking at Jules and at, at his aunt is that they represent, like, not just a generational transition, but a shift in the way that uh, humanity views and understands itself. There's, uh, at the end, and we can get into this in one of our upcoming uh, one of our upcoming episodes, when his aunt uh, is essentially disowning him. She's saying, I finally have figured it out. Like your generation feels no obligations that that we did. And it really seems to kind of represent what now uh, sociologist uh, Byung-Chul Han refers to as a shift from a should society to a could society. Not here's what one's obligation is, what one should do, but here are what here are all the options of what one could do. And we can talk about how Kate has this realization that, uh, that all the shoulds can be thrown off, but then the real burden comes from all these coulds. Like, actually, I'd be happier if somebody told me I should do this or should do this, should do this. But now there's nothing telling me what I'm supposed to do. I could do anything. And so now that's even more burdensome uh, because it's on me to figure it out than if there were a should that I could just rail against. And I right, think that's right. one of the... Right. One of the things that we really, you know, wrestle with, you know, in in the twenty first century, and um, let's pick that yep. one up in the next spot.
1: Yeah, yeah, and to I think that's a really sharp observation. I think so. Then maybe what we're moving towards, um, kind of working observations here, unfolding through discussion, which is how how we learn, right? And especially when we're reading reading a layered, uh, layered and dynamic text like this one. So maybe there's this uh, there's different definitions of everydayness, right, or different sort of uh, ways to embody that, to embody the everyday. So, I think maybe the novel, what we're getting at, is you know looking at Kate and her sort of um, her breakdowns, right? That come around being untethered from like who who am I? What am I supposed to do? Like what what you know where where is my purpose? She's just grasping. So maybe maybe what we're getting towards is this idea that an um, everydayness that removes any sort of should dynamic, any sort of tethered grounding in our, in our relation, in our being puts us into this sort of malaise, right? It, 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 it begins to sort of shrink us in a way and through these different cross pressures, we can then break forth through these moments, right? Like banks on the bus, uh, recognizing these gaps, it might open us up to the search, the search properly, uh, properly undertaken, will show us how we can exist in the everyday with new meaning, with with deeper purpose, with a sense of not just uh, an existence that's floating. Binks talks about it. he doesn't just want to be some random person that could be anywhere, but a particular somebody in a particular story, in a particular place, connected to others uh, through through God, right? Uh, but in that relation, now everything. Um, Everything is filled with meaning, even even the ordinary doesn't just have to be the thrill of a movie. So so maybe there's these different notions of the everyday um, that begin to shape how, how we live. So we, we covered a lot of ground, man.
2: That was really, really good stuff. And we've only just begun, gang. I mean, we've just begun. Just, this yeah. is just episode number one. And uh, yeah, there, there's so many coulds. I mean, all these coulds of what lot, we could do could, with the next three. Yeah, it's pressure.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is—I mean, this is this is one of those few. I'm glad you brought that up around Kate and when, what she does speak about wanting clear direction, wanting to be told you you need to do this, you should do this because we usually think of that obligation as negative. But here, we're shown how it can be a way into meaning and grounding into the search as well. So, um, folks, I, I, I would suggest picking up this novel. It is a really important novel. Um, in, in sort of larger American context. But as you can tell, it speaks directly to, to our kind of modern um, modern moment and heart, uh, even in the present. And, and it's, it's something that's um, really keen and really sharp. Uh, astutely observed uh, and is is worth the engagement well, well worth the engagement so pick up a copy of the movie go read along with us uh, there'll be links in the show notes to our Facebook group you can drop questions and see what we're up to there would love to read along with y'all in that particular way if you've enjoyed this share with friends uh, you can rate uh, review comment all that good stuff and we'll be back uh, in your podcast player our app of choice uh, real quick with another episode on the movie goer. so in the meantime uh, keep reading And we'll catch up with y'all soon. Thanks.
0: This episode is brought to you in part by the Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries podcast. Do you want to grow in your influence? Bao's episodes feature tips for leaders of any kind. From mentoring one woman to leading a ministry. Browse
2: Bow's podcast at beyond Ordinarywomen.org.